Good morning, church family. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Let's hear another word. How are you doing today? Great, good, awesome. I'm so glad to be with you. Grab your Bibles. I hope you brought them. If you didn't, you can look on the screen today, but grab it for next week. We're going to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy is in the first part of the Bible. Just go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We'll be there in just a moment. I just want to say howdy. I'm Josh, one of the ministers here. If I haven't had a chance to say hi to you personally, welcome to the family here at Clear Creek. It is an honor. Go back one slide. It is an honor to be a part of the body of Christ. In fact, well, let's just go ahead and do it. This morning, we had a celebration already because at the 9 o'clock worship, this young lady, Gracie... That's not it. There, there she is. This young lady, Gracie Gandy, gave her life to Jesus in baptism. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Man. Friends, if nothing else happens today, that is enough. Amen. When we see someone who goes from death to life and experience the first breath of their new life, you realize there's this moment, every person experiences it when you're, when you're given birth, the doctor, the very first thing the doctor does, what does he do? <laughs> that, that's you, not the doctor. Although if you're Chuck Norris, the doctor's the one who cries, but that's another story. Any of you like the Chuck Norris jokes? All right, we'll talk later. Here's what's amazing is in that moment, although there was no smack, rather there was a celebration and the first breath of eternal life entered into her and she will never die because of what Christ did for her. And before I say anything else, if you know Jesus Christ, you will never die. No matter what life may bring, no matter the heartache that will come, if God grants you the years to see wrinkles in old age and hair loss and all those things, you will experience heartache and you will experience pain. But if you are in Jesus Christ, although the grave may touch you for a moment, it does not get to keep you. Jesus is everything. And if you don't know him, I'm begging you, please don't leave this room without saying yes to him in baptism today. All right, let's get into the actual message before I cry like a baby here. By the way, the worship this morning and first was just amazing. And then today during this gathering was amazing. And I just so thank all of you for participating in church, for being participants, not simply observers. You understand this is a participatory event. Continue in the worship, okay? Now, with that said, let's jump in. We are in a series called Today Resolution. And here's sort of the big idea. We always tease that at the beginning of the year, we make these various resolutions. And we make them for a whole year. So January 1, we're not going to eat that thing anymore. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to always do these things. And then by January 3, we've already blown it, haven't we? And so we end up with this sense of guilt and sort of the cycling over and over. It's like, I'm going to, no, I'm not. I'm going to, I'm not. And finally, we just kind of give up. And so I thought, you know, what if, instead of saying, I'm going to give a, a year-long resolution, what if we just simply as believers in Jesus say, I'm going to do a today resolution? In fact, did you know that's a more biblical approach? Jesus will tell us in the Gospels, you don't know when your life will be taken from you. You might even die this very night. So instead of planning out saying, I resolve for a whole year, what if today we just say, today, for the moments I have, I resolve in a variety of ways. And we're looking at each one of them, different today passages in the scriptures. And today's is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. But here's the question I want us to wrestle with this morning. It's really the question we're going to deal with in this passage. It's this one. What makes 
a great life. By the way, I think I'm getting a little bit of ringing back there. Anyone else hearing the ring or is it just me? Yeah? Okay, we'll, we'll fix that. If not, I'll grab this other mic. Just let me know if I need to. What makes a great life? And if I were to ask you, if we were to poll the audience, chances are we'd all have different answers, right? So some of us would say a great life is about the minutes and the moments we spend. Like if you have a lot of minutes, a lot of moments, you have a great life, right? So somebody lives to 90, 95. But then, of course, we know people who've lived for many years, but they've not really lived, Correct. Others would say, no, um, a great life, it's about the depth of relationships. If you have really deep relationships, that is what makes a great life. But we also know you can have deep relationships that come to an end when a car swerves over the double lines. So is that what makes a great life? And then still others will say, no, maybe it's the experiences that we have. So if I get to go certain places, if I have the financial freedom to go here, do this, see that, then that is a great Life, But isn't it also true that physical disabilities and health issues can rob us of going places and having those experiences? Here's what I want to share with you is from this passage in Deuteronomy. Your father in heaven, and if you're not a Christian, the God who wants to be your father is going to give to us the definitive definition of what makes a great Life And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, before we look at the passage, let me give you a little bit of context. Are you, are you ready for a little context? Say yes. Okay. Here's the way, sort of bringing us to this moment. There's a man named Moses. How many of you know Charlton Heston? I mean, Moses. Any of you know this, this guy? See, I make that joke, and there's only a group of you who laugh. Everyone who's like under the age of 50 is going, who is Charlton Heston? But those who know, you're my people. So Charlton has, I mean, Moses, he comes onto the scene and by the power of God, he is sent into the heart of Egypt to face off against the Pharaoh and to demand that Pharaoh release God's people, the Israelites. They've been in bondage. I mean, indentured slavery, backbreaking work for generations. And God, through his power, delivers them out of slavery. He then leads them through Moses across the Red Sea. And then down into the Sinai Peninsula to this place called Mount Sinai. This is the place where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. Where he receives the entirety of the law from God to God's people. And often when we hear the word law, we think of a burden. But, but isn't it true that you can be set free from something, but you still have to be taught how to live free from that thing? How many of us know of friends who were incarcerated and they got used to life on the inside and they had to relearn life on the outside? It's one thing to be set free. It's another thing to live free. And so God gives us the rules, the way to live free. And from there is supposed to be a short journey to the promised land, to Canaan. By the way, you want to know how long it should have taken Israel to get from Sinai to Canaan? Forty days. 40 days. Quick question, Bible scholars. How long did it actually take the Israelites to go from Sinai to the promised land? Anyone know? 40 years. 40 days, 40 years. What in the world happened? See, along the way, the people, that first generation rebels and says, God, you can't do what you've promised to do. And because they said no to God, God said, I can't work with stiff-necked people. And so we're going to keep you in this desert for 40 years until all of this generation dies. Everyone from the age of 20 and under. But above that, or excuse me, older than that. And those younger will be the only ones to go into the promised land. And so now, 40 years have passed. The first generation has died. And they're now on the brink of going into the promised land. 
But Moses has to remind the people of what he reminded the first generation. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. In fact, the word Deuteronomy, it's a Greek word. It just means second law. It's not a new law. It's rather the first law told a second time. And the book of Deuteronomy is just a series of speeches from Moses, from God through Moses to the people. And so in chapter 30, we're going to get the definition of what it means and what it takes to live a great life. And so if you will, stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. Here we go. Beginning in verse 15, it says this. See, I set before you when, church? When, church? Today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now jump down a few verses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. Why? For the Lord is your life. Let's pray together. As we stand at the beginning of a new week, Lord... I pray that we will see what you showed the first hearers of these words, that we may today experience something, that if we simply resolve today and every day that follows, we too can have the lives you've designed for us to live. Go before us, Holy Spirit, into the word. Teach us what we need to be taught. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, grab a seat. Here we go. You ready? Very simple. What makes great life? Write this down. It's your choices. Of all the things you do, the choices you make determine the quality of your life. In fact, we might put it this way. The quality of your life depends on the quality of your choices. And you know this instinctively that good choices overall lead to better outcomes. Bad choices overall lead to bad outcomes. In fact, Many of us get confused. We think that what makes a great life, it's all the things we get preoccupied with that really don't. It's how much money you have in the bank. And don't get me wrong, more money in the bank can help. I don't know too many people who are absolutely broke who go, it's the best life ever and if I had a little more, it'd be horrible. But that is not the ultimate thing. It's not your IQ. It's not where you grew up. It's not your prestige or popularity or how well you're known. Those are secondary matters. It's the choices you make that determine the quality of your life. In fact, experts will tell us that you and I will make 70 conscious decisions every day. Now, not subconscious ones like, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, you know how you kind of start on one side. and Maybe you go from top to bottom, left to right. I don't know how you do it, but there's a motor response. There's a practice response. I'm not talking about those. Today, you will make 70 unique, specific, conscious decisions That will change the course of today. And then over the course of a year, that is 25,550 decisions that you will make this year alone. If the Lord allows you to live to 70, that is 1,788,500 conscious decisions you will make. In other words, that number is your life. I love the way that Albert Camus, the French philosopher, puts it. He says that life is the sum of all your choices. But friends, we didn't need to wait until some uppity French philosopher told us this. God told us the exact same thing over 3,000 years ago when he said, choose life today. The quality of your life depends on the quality of your choices. And so today, all I want us to do as a body of believers is meditate and consider these three words. Choose life today. That first word, choose. Let's just talk about this beautiful promise of God. This may be, for many of us, the understated greatest gift God has given us. 
Yes, Christ coming, Christ dying for his greatest gift. But do you know you have the choice to choose him or reject him? You have choice. I have choice. Big decisions and small, we have choice. Now, I wonder, how must it break God's heart when people that have been made in his image have been lied to and told that they do not have choice because of their circumstance? Because of the situation they find themselves, they are now victims and not victors. Because of their upbringing, they're a victim. Because of their ethnicity, they're a victim. Because of their income or their job loss or their health, they're a victim. But notice the Lord does not give caveats to the choice. He says, you get to choose life today. In fact, consider the audience to whom he's talking. Okay, every one of us in this room have it better than the group of Israelites that are hearing these words for the first time. Amen? Let's try this again. Do you have it better than a bunch of wilderness-wandering former slaves whose parents were so rebellious that they've been stuck in the desert for 40 years. Do you have it better than them, maybe, just a little bit? Absolutely. Do you notice this? They could have easily said, God, our circumstances are so bad. There's no way for us to do what you've called us to do. After all, our people were slaves for hundreds of years. Or God, because of the decisions of our parents, the previous generation, because of what they did, we are now victims in our circumstance. Have you ever heard a kid talk about how it's because of his mom or his daddy, he's a screw up in life? They could have done it. Or what about this? They're in a wilderness. They can't grow crops. They can't produce more cattle as easily. They're reliant on the quail God sends and the manna on the ground. But notice, God says, you get the privilege, the divine right of choice. Don't you dare give up the gift God has given you and don't you dare ever tell someone else because of their circumstances they don't get the choice to choose life. In fact, here's the way I might want you to consider it. We don't get to choose our circumstances but we always get to choose our response. This is in fact what God says to the people in chapter 29 of Deuteronomy. Notice his words to them. He says this, Now, what I am commanding you, this is God talking to the people, what I am commanding you today, not tomorrow, not in the past, but today, it is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. If anyone had an excuse to blame circumstance, I would submit it was the people in the wilderness. And yet he says, friends, I didn't say it was easy, but it is not too difficult. It is not beyond your reach. And if you keep reading, he says, you don't need someone to go up into the sky to find it. You don't need someone to cross the ocean for you to tell you how to live. I am here to show you how to live, God says. Which means, for you and for me, the first thing we need to recognize today, you have a choice. 70 unique ones that will determine the course of today. And if you choose well today, by the way, if you mess up tomorrow, we'll talk about that in a moment. But today you get to choose and string enough good days together and you end up with a great life. Second word there is the word life. Everyone say life. Now here's the interesting thing. He says choose life. Why does he say choose life? Because there's another choice, isn't there? There's another option. He doesn't say choose life because it's the only option. He says choose life because there's the other choice of what? Death. By the way, there's not like this in-between state. I know we like to think about it, but it's, you're dead, you're alive, yeah, that's it. One or the other. Now, 
from our youngest age, none of us like to be limited in our choices. Can I get an oh yeah from anyone? Let me prove it to you. How many of you have children? Show of hands. All right. How many of you had this conversation or children? How many of you children have a parent or more? Anyone in here? All right. That should now be everyone. You've, been in the, you've had this moment growing up or parents, it's time to put the kids to bed. So you go to Susie. Susie, would you like the blue pajamas or the pink pajamas? And what does Susie say? Naked. No, Susie, naked is not an option. Blue or pink. Maybe that's just me growing up. Maybe not your Susie. We'll talk about that later. Or maybe you're on a drive. You're going to see grandma's, grandma and grandpa. And so you're on the way. And everyone's starting to get a little hangry. You know what hangry is? You're hungry because you're, you get angry because you're hungry. You know that one? So they're driving along. You look and there's a McDonald's. There's a Taco Bell. Those are the only two options. So you say, hey kids, do you want McDonald's or Taco Bell? And they say, Arby's. And you go, no. You have this or this. The reason God tells you and me choose life is because there is another option. But there is only one other option. I'm either choosing life with my decisions or I'm choosing death with my decisions. There is no third path. And in fact, isn't it interesting? I love the passage that Daryl shared with us this morning. So apropos for where we find ourselves, where God says to the people, if you will follow me, good things, I will bless you to the thousandth generation. But if you choose to disobey or run away, there's going to be consequences. In fact, when you and I choose death, we often do so because it masquerades as life, doesn't it? So, come on, come on. The person who is now addicted to a substance or an activity did not begin saying, I'm going to choose this because one day I will not be able to not choose it. Did anyone go into it that way? Not at all. No one who has wrecked their marriage and wrecked their family and their reputation, no one began the affair with that intention. But death, although masquerading as life, will always lead to death. You either choose life or you choose death. They do not commingle. You cannot choose one without it going against the other. In fact, notice what God says to his people. He says this, very interesting passage. Next slide. Jump ahead past that picture. Let's go to this slide. They invoke, these are people who are lying to themselves about life and death. They invoke a blessing on themselves. In other words, they're saying, I will bless myself. Why? Because God's not going to bless what I'm doing. So I'll say things like, this is what makes me happy. This is what's good for me. This is my truth. They invoke a blessing on themselves thinking, I'll be safe. Even though I persist in going my own way. The result, they will bring, next slide, disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. This is a picture of dry places, the place where maybe you live on your own. It's not just you, but it will affect those other people around you as well. This is why that passage that Daryl read says God will punish to the third and fourth generation. Sometimes the punishment is not God directly opposing or harming you, but allowing your decisions to run their course. And isn't it true, the person who blew up their family, that affects the children. I'm married to one of the most beautiful, sweet woman, women in the world, my wife, Lindsay. When her dad left when she was 15, that affected her life, did it not? That's also impacted how she parents and what's important to her. So it's now affecting my children. What I want you to hear is the decisions we make affect not just ourselves, but everyone else. And there's only one of two options, life or death. So my point to you is this. In your physical body today, are you choosing things that give God honor and glory? Are you doing things that cultivate life or create death? Now, God, because he knows we don't know what life is often, he has to spell it out. And he does it in this next verse. 
Notice what he says here when he defines what life is. He gives us three things. He says, love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Now, love the Lord your God when you begin to say, what is a life-giving decision? Here's a question to ask. Does this decision that I'm making, is it bore out of a desire because I love God? Is it because, man, he is my everything, and so I'm going to live this way? Then the next one is listen to his voice. Now, if you go to verse 16, he gives the same list, but instead of saying listen, God says obey his voice. In other words, if you listen, you will obey. And if you're obeying, it's because you listened. But friends, if you're not obeying, you didn't really listen the first time. Isn't that interesting? It's like when you're, again, kid illustrations. That's all I've got these days, friends. Give me about five more years, then we'll get into some other illustrations. But your kids, again, you talk to them. And you know if you tell them to go do something, go brush your teeth. If they don't brush their teeth, did they really listen? And God says to you and me, make decisions Because you're listening to my voice. Obey what I'm saying because I know the way of life. There's a way that brings life and a way that leads to death. And then finally that phrase, and hold fast to him. I love that word, hold fast. The Hebrew word literally means to cleave or to glue yourself. It's used elsewhere in the scriptures. It's used in Genesis chapter 2 when God says of of Adam, he says, For this reason a husband will leave his father and mother and be United, hold fast, cleave, glued to his wife. And the two will become what? One. In other words, this is the same word God uses to describe a husband and wife, that they become like one unit, a solitary fighting force. And God says, this is how you make decisions. Because you're close to me and you want to stay close to me. You do it because you love me, because you're listening, and because you want to stay close. So when we begin to make decisions, let's just take a moment. You are not simply your thoughts or your soul. You are a three-dimensional being. You have thoughts. Let me back up. Men, ladies have thoughts. We sometimes have thoughts. Amen? All right, let's just kind of get that on the table. So guys, on the rare occasion that we have thoughts, you have thoughts. Amen? All right, amen. You have emotions. Again, some of you, you go, what's an emotion? I know you had it 12 years ago. Just go back to that feeling. Emotions. And then we also have physical bodies. Now, let's just walk through this. The thoughts that I have, am I thinking this way because I love God? It's in obedience to God and because I want to be close to him. Do the words that proceed from my mouth, do they come out because I love God? So I speak to you because I love God. I want to obey God so I show encouragement. I want to be close to God so I'm available. Or what about our bodies? Are we doing things with our bodies and for our bodies because they are the temple of God? Are we doing things that reflect that? Meaning how we take care of our bodies, where we go, what we do with them. In other words, the decisions we make, are they based on these three things? And here's why this is so important. Why is it all about God? Because of this very last little point that he puts here. He says, for the Lord is your life. He doesn't say the Lord gives you life, although he does. God himself tells you that he is the substance of life and to choose life is to choose God. In other words, if you choose life, you will always be led to God. Is that good news, anyone? The way I was thinking about it was actually a a creek I saw. Uh, There's a creek in Wyoming, and you can put this up on screen. It's It's a strange creek. It's called the Two Ocean Creek. It comes down through the Teton Wilderness, north to south. 
But it comes to this very interesting spot right here where the waters split. And it's very unique because if the water goes to the left, it will eventually wind its way down to the Gulf of Mexico and into the Atlantic Ocean. But if it goes to the right, it will eventually find its way to the Pacific Ocean. In other words, the water that started at the same point, just a little bit of wind blowing it one way or the other determines a world apart difference. Are you choosing life? It seems so small, but over the course of your life, the decisions you make, the choices you make will make the person you become. And so God says, choose life. Are you ready for some good news? Everyone say yes. Here's the good news. Ready? He says, choose, first word. Second word, life. And then this third word, today. Here's the great news. And I don't know who needs to hear this. Do you notice God does not tell you to go back in time and choose life yesterday? He's not asking you to do something impossible. Nor is he saying to you, go into the future. Get in Doc Brown's future space, you know, a car thing being, isn't that technical sounding? Get into your time machine and go into the future and then choose life. No, he says, choose life today in this very moment. You want to know why this is such good news, family? Yesterday is not on God's mind, so it doesn't need to be on your mind anymore either. Tomorrow is being taken care of by God the Father. He's already in your tomorrows, getting it worked out. So Jesus will tell us, do not worry about tomorrow. Your job and my job is to choose, make decisions just today. What if every morning you woke up and said, today and today alone, I will make choices that bring life, that are, I love God, I obey God, I want to be close to God. And isn't it interesting, the people who genuinely listen to the voice of God treat people differently, don't they? I'm not talking about churchgoers, I'm talking about people who listen to God. And there's a difference sometimes. Choose life Today, do you know what this also means? If you mess up today, you get another shot tomorrow morning. Come on, is that good news to anyone else? Hey, and guess what? There will be consequences for the bad and the good, but you get to choose again every moment, every day. I choose life today, which means it's never too late to start doing the right thing today. Everyone take a deep breath, would you? Go ahead, just. For as long as you get to do that, you have another opportunity to choose life. And friend, if you're in Jesus, when you do the very last one of those, you don't have to worry about making it perfect. Because the one who saved you will be the first face you see when you open your eyes. And he'll say, I am the life. And if you simply choose me today, although there will be moments of great pain and moments of great, oh, why? He'll give you life forever and ever and ever. And so today, if there was one thing, choose life today. Be like my sweet sister Gracie. Choose life in Jesus if you don't know him or if you do. Then today, simply resolve. Today, I choose life. I honor God with my mind, my heart, my life, my body. I choose life today. 
May God bless you as you do that. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over you. And then we're going to sing this final song together. Because I don't know where you are, but you need to know that God loves you and that there is life in Jesus Christ. So if you will, with every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, we ask you to give life to us today. I'm asking boldly that those who have yet to say yes to you in baptism will choose to do so today. I'll be right here. I will wait for them and I pray that they will come forward. But Father, for all those in this room who have said yes to Jesus, the life giver, we ask that you will empower us to make the choice today. Do not let us live as victims anymore, but as victors who say today I get to choose life by the power of the resurrected Savior, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Amen.